One other thing that I was not expecting, and the first time I heard it, it actually scared the sh out of me. They pray over there. I didn't know that they blasted it like through the city. It was 6 a.m. and I still wasn't asleep, and I hear this like, hmm, like some sort of hum, and it scared me half to death. What's up you guys, I'm Rachel Demita and welcome to the Courtside Club. I am so excited to be back home in my home studio, to be back in the States. If you guys haven't watched my previous videos, Dre and I were actually in Dubai for about two weeks and while it was very fun, I am so happy to be back home. But before I jump into our regularly scheduled sports and pop culture topics of the day, I did want to talk about my experience in Dubai and just kind of my like initial reactions to the country because I felt like going in, I didn't know what to expect because I was, I was just like looking up a lot of things online because I feel like their culture over there is a lot different than the U S. And one of the biggest things for me also was just looking up like what clothes I was allowed to wear there, because that is one thing that I heard is that women cover up a lot more in Dubai and then obviously in other countries in the Middle East. So I wanted to share with you guys what it is actually like in Dubai now that I have experienced it for myself and I was there for two weeks. So starting off, I will just talk about the clothing situation. So when I was looking up online, I was actually nervous because I was seeing just kind of like a mix of things. Obviously, I was seeing like photos of girls in Dubai who were like dressing very normal and like you would kind of in the States. But then I was also reading that there are some places where you couldn't even like show your shoulders or like you had to cover your head. And also uh, your knees was another thing. Like you couldn't have any like shorts or skirts that were above the knee, which I just don't really unless they're kind of like full length dresses and I don't really wear things like that another thing was like not to wear like sweatpants it was just more like you like had to dress up and so I just didn't know what to expect and I was also wondering like okay when I'm working out what can I wear to work out because I definitely don't have dresses to work out and and everything that I do have for workouts at least on the bottom are kind of like form-fitting long story short you guys it was so the dress code I felt like was non-existent there. There were women who were, you know, dressed in like very like traditional Muslim outfits where you're like covered from head to toe. And, and some of them you were only seeing their eyes. Some was just like from the neck down. They didn't even have headdress. There were men who were also in and forgive me. I don't know what the outfits are called, but there were men in, in like, almost like long kind of dresses to the ground with their head covered. But then there were also girls who were dressed like any other American girl that you would see here. Um, when I went to the gym, actually, also was when I was most worried about because I was wearing leggings and like a big t-shirt. And I was like, I hope this isn't too much. And then when I got there, every single girl working out was in like short biker shorts and a sports bra. So it was like super, super, super lenient. One thing is they do have women only workouts. I went to Barry's and I went to F45 over there and they had women's only workouts. So maybe that was for women who are like more conservative or if it just doesn't go along with their 
um, values that they're not like allowed to work out with men. They did have those, which I noticed. So that was something that was, I was glad that the dress code was a little bit more lenient than some of the things I was seeing online. One of my biggest takeaways was just how big everything is in Dubai. Like everything is just bigger than it needs to be almost. Um, the mall, for example, that we went to has like 3000 different stores or something. You could spend hours upon hours. Like I feel like you would need a full week just to see everything that's in the mall. They also have like an ice skating rink in there and there's a waterfall and there's a trampoline park and there's literally a huge dinosaur in it. There's a full aquarium in the mall. And then it's literally every single store that you could possibly imagine is in this Dubai mall. It was very nice but it's it's just so big and then everywhere you look it's like it's almost like they have too many things for the amount of people that are there i wonder how some of these businesses are staying alive in a sense because it just seems like there's more things than you actually need like everything is massive um the biggest building there is called the burj khalifa which i'm sure if you've like heard anything about Dubai, that's like their big landmark. That's big, which is also very beautiful. The architecture in general is very beautiful. I would also say the city is very clean, which I really enjoyed. And I had spent a few days in New York before going to Dubai and New York is not clean, uh, I would say by any standard. And so going from New York to Dubai, um, it was it was very, very clean and it seemed like everything was put together there's like not much littering also I feel like people just don't leave stuff around I don't know if it's a respect thing if there's more people cleaning up but then I also didn't see people like constantly cleaning up the city so maybe it was people just not throwing their stuff on the ground kind of like we do here that was one thing that I did really like about it I also did feel very safe there and normally when I am traveling to different countries, like my safety is kind of a big concern because you just never know. And you see stuff all around about like people getting kidnapped, especially women or like put into like human trafficking. And I, I would be lying to you if I would say that that's something that I don't always have in the back of my mind is just to be aware of my surroundings and be super safe. Dubai is a place that felt really safe to me. Like I, I felt like I could kind of walk around by myself and there were days where like Dre had basketball games and I was just kind of walking around the city by myself and I did feel really safe. It seems like their laws are pretty strict there. And so maybe that is just something that people just stay in line because if you do mess up, then there are major consequences to pay. Um, which brings me to one thing that was surprising to me was that you get like the speeding tickets there and like running a red light ticket in Dubai is actually insane. So there's not a lot of police like on the road, like, you, you know, obviously in America, we have police that are like camped out. And if you speed past them, then you get pulled over here. That was not the situation at all. They have cameras like all over and at the different roads. And then some cars actually have like a speed radar kind of built into the car. So if you go over, I think it's um, like there, there were different variations of like what considered speeding, but the highest miles per hour or kilometers per hour was like a hundred kilometers per hour. And if you go over 
118 or 119 kilometers per hour, then you immediately get a ticket and it was like a thousand dollar ticket. So that is one thing where like people drive pretty aggressively there, but they're not like, you don't see that one random car that's just going, you know, like 150 miles an hour down the highway. Like you, you just don't see that because they're so strict about speeding. The biggest one also was running a red light. If you run a red light in Dubai, the guy said that it could be up to $30,000 for the ticket. So people are not running red lights. Like that is one thing that you cannot do unless you want a super, super hefty fine. And then it, it was something like it, it adds so many points to your license that you're like really close to basically like getting your license taken away. So super, super strict on the driving laws there. One thing that it to me wasn't so great about the city is it's so much city. And we were there for two weeks and it I was starting to get depressed, honestly, and I didn't really understand why, because, you know, anybody I feel like would be grateful to be over there. It's very beautiful. Like I said, very beautiful, very clean. Like there's so much to do, so much to see, beautiful buildings, this and that. But for me personally, man-made things only excite me or make me happy, like to a certain extent. Um, There comes a point in time where I'm just like, okay, cool, saw it. I'm ready to go home. And I think for me, it was just like not a lot of nature. Obviously, there's there's palm trees and there's aquariums and there's different things, but everything just felt manufactured or like man-made to me. Like even the trees have lights around them and there's always just like music and lights and, and the fountains. There would be, um, there was this like fountain show that's like very similar to Vegas there, but it's, it's just like constant like lights and music and water shooting up into the air. And it's not, there's like not a sense of peace around it. And obviously you guys know, like I live in Texas and I live in a very like, I don't know if rural rural is the right word, but there's a lot of like greenery. There's literally my whole backyard is the woods basically. Like I live in a forest. I'm just like constantly seeing you know, like trees and greenery and, and hawks flying around and a a random fox will like come into my backyard every once in a while. And so I think after a while, it was just too much city, too much, too much manufactured things to me. And I know that there's the desert there. Um, we went to the Dubai miracle garden, which was nice. It was like a lot of flowers. And I just, I really enjoyed that because you could just like smell I just, I just felt like I could smell nature because <laughs> that was also another thing that was bothering me so much. Oh my gosh. Every place that you walk into, you get smacked in the face by like cologne or perfume or like some scent. And it is so overwhelming. You're just constantly getting smacked in the face by like perfume or cologne. And I, at some point just wanted some fresh air. Like I just wanted to smell nature um, and I didn't get a lot of that. The last couple of days that we were there, we went to the Miracle Garden and then we went to the beach and, you know, did some flyboarding and different things like that. And that definitely gave me a sense of like being outside and being more grounded. But it's a lot of city. It's a lot of manufactured things. And even where we were staying, which was on the Palm, is a manufactured island. Like it's a human made island where you can... I don't know. You guys can look it up. It looks like a palm tree. 
um, it, it's just not. And I think that was the biggest thing too. When I was looking into Dubai and like things to do, a lot of people were saying is like, it's a great city, but there's not that much authenticity to the city. And I would agree with that in a sense, like a lot of the things that you see in Dubai are things that you can see in other places kind of around the world, which makes it really cool. It's kind of like Vegas on steroids, but it's a lot cleaner than Vegas. There's just not as much, you know, there's not like people in Spider-Man costumes running around Dubai. Um, it is a lot of smoking though, too. There's a lot of people who smoke cigarettes and do hookah out there. So that was something that I wasn't enjoying is like smelling the smoke and smelling the perfume. Um, the other thing that made me a bit sad was the amount of stray cats that were there. And in general, I felt like people... And I could be wrong, but there's a sense that people like they saw the stray cat, but they almost more so treated them as like squirrels than pets. You know, like you, you see a squirrel and you just let it be like you don't feed it. You just kind of ignore it, whatever. I was always the one who was like dropping to the ground and like petting the cat. There was this one cat actually. Um, it upset me so much. He was so skinny, was not doing well, was limping. Um, and it was actually outside the place where Dre was playing basketball and he was crying. He was just like walking around and could tell he was like kind of asking humans for food and literally nobody was doing anything for him. Um, so I ran over to one of the stands and bought this like chicken hot dog so I could feed the cat because he, he wasn't doing well. He needed something. And if I were here, I would have known a place to call or I would have, you know, taken him and put him in my own car and taken him to the vet or whatever. I felt so hopeless. I did not know what to do. So I like fed him and gave him some love. And I, I just hope that he did well. But there was a lot of instances where I was running into stray cats. There was, an, there was another instance where I saw like 13 of them. Um, and I'm hoping that somebody was feeding them. There was like 13 kind of living in a colony. But it seemed like people, either it's either it's part of their life to where they're like, oh, this is fine. There's just a lot of cats here that are kind of like a squirrel or a bunny or whatever. And they just run around. Um, but to me, it felt like there wasn't a lot of people who cared about them. And obviously, I care about them to an extreme. But that was something that made me kind of sad. But best believe that I was petting all of the cats. <laughs> Dre was getting annoyed at, at a certain point. He's like, you can't save them all. And I'm like, I know. Because if I would have, I would have come back with about 30 stray cats. And I think that my cats would not have been happy about that. The last thing, too, that was really surprising to me was things were actually cheaper there. Like, cheaper than the States. And I think the biggest thing for me that was cheaper was... Um, food delivery service. There was this app that we were using called Talibat and everything was like my, my meals were so much less expensive than they would be in the States. And I think a big reason for that is they don't have as many like hidden costs as we do in America, which is something that I feel like we need to chill out about like the tipping, the extra service charge, plus like tax this, that, that like there wasn't all those things. It was like, here's your meal here's the delivery fee and that's it. And there's not, there's not really much tipping that goes on over there as well. There was a lot of times that we were even at dinner and we would give the person our card to, you know, pay for our dinner. And there wasn't even a line where you could give somebody a tip. So we had to ask them like, how can we tip you? And a lot of times we just had to give the people cash. Um, cause it's normal there to, 
just pay for what your service was and not tip, like not have to add all these different extra charges. So it was something that I I was expecting to buy to be quite expensive, but it was actually seemed cheaper than in America. So those are my initial reactions to the city. I had a really good time. Two weeks is a bit long. If I were to go back, I don't think I would need to spend <laughs> two weeks there. But I'm also somebody who likes to vacation in places where I can go on hikes and go into nature a bit more. And the desert to me is not as naturey as I would like. One other thing that I was not expecting, and the first time I heard it, it actually scared the shit out of me, was uh, multiple times during the day, they pray over there. And I knew that about, obviously, their religion and the culture, but I didn't know that they blasted it like through the city. So I remember the first day I was there, I had jet lag terribly. I wasn't sleeping. It was 6 a.m. and I still wasn't asleep. And I hear this like, um, like some sort of hum through the city. And it's in a, a language that I don't recognize. And it scared me half to death. And I woke up Dre and I was like, what is that? Because I don't know, you're just not used to that. Anything that you hear in America that's like going throughout the city is like a tornado warning or something. It's like something bad. Um, and he was like, oh, it's just a prayer. It's fine. And then I listened to it. So it, it, it does happen multiple times a day. I think on the weekend, it's a little bit less, but then at certain points, I feel like I was hearing the, the prayer like five times a day and it's about 15 minutes and then it shuts off. And some people would stop and pray, but we, I was also out when we would hear it and people would just continue walking. So it's not like everybody drops to the ground and starts praying just where they are, but they do have like where you would see a restroom. There's also like a prayer room right next to it that people can go into. So respect for that. However, the first time I heard it, I was not, <laughs> I was not expecting it and it scared me, <laughs> startled me. So, yeah. I've also always heard from people that in Dubai, essentially like PDA is illegal. Like a man and woman can't like kiss in public. So we didn't have that much time, obviously like Dre had a basketball tournament and, and the time that he was playing basketball, we didn't really get to do much of anything. So we really only had like three days to kind of explore and, and have fun. In Abu Dhabi, there's a mosque. And if you go to, and supposedly it's very beautiful, um, but men and so women do have to cover up and they have to put the thing on their head as well like cover your hair um if you take a photo together a man and a woman can't be touching even if it's your spouse you can't be touching um and so that was something and we didn't go to Abu Dhabi so we were fine like Dre and I would hold hands and stuff but I think in general you might be right though you didn't see a lot of PDA. You didn't see a lot of men kind of like messing with women in public, I, but it's not like you would get arrested for it. I think. Cause I even thought about that after, after one of Dre's games, he came over like to the sideline and I was like excited for the win. So I like smacked his butt, you know, that would just be a normal thing. I was just like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, I, and then, and then I, I was like, Oh wait, <laughs> because the Royal family was actually coming to these games and Dre knows one of the women who are in the Royal family who like, I, I don't know how to exactly say it, who like governed Dubai. And I was like, 
wait, I don't know if I was allowed to do that. You know what I mean? That was one thing that I, it, it made me think twice, but obviously here I would, I wouldn't care. I was just like, I was hyped. I was like, you know, smack them. One thing that was funny though, is um, Dre, Dre and Dwight Howard both met um, two women from the, the family, the, Again, I I I feel bad. I don't know exactly the title, but like the royal family. And when they took a, a photo, Dwight put his hand on one of on both of the ladies' backs. And I don't think you're allowed to do that actually because like cuz they are a certain like when the women from that family approach you like if you want to shake their hand, they have to be the ones to initiate it. One last thing that was very different than I feel like we have here. Whoever is in charge again, like the, I think Sheik, I hope I'm not, I hope I'm not wrong. There's these men, there's four men's photos that are everywhere. Like in the gym, the four men, like massive photos of them are on the wall. They're on billboards there. And that's like their government. So basically think if, if every restaurant you went in, it's like Joe Biden's photo is in there on the wall. It, that was literally everywhere in the hotels that we were staying at these these four men's photos were on the wall and it's the same men it's the same photo of each of them and and they're everywhere that was something also that at first it's like who are these guys and then you figure out like there's the main one and then there's the the second tier and then the two others sometimes it would only be two sometimes it would be all four but the, it's literally in every business it was so interesting. But I was like, that's hilarious because if if like Biden or Trump's photos were in businesses, could you imagine like how many people would be like vandalizing it because we're so divided here with our <laughs> with our politics? Um, but yeah, those people are everywhere. So it seems like there's either a certain level, there's a certain level of respect and authority in that country that everybody just abides by. Let me know in the comments if you guys have ever been or if I missed out on every, anything that I should have mentioned about the country. All right, you guys. So the NBA just announced that Stefan versus Sabrina will happen as a part of All-Star Saturday Night in Indianapolis on February 17th. Curry, the NBA's all-time three-point king, will take on the reigning WNBA three-point shootout queen and single-season record holder. The stage is set. I know that we saw this teased on social media, but I am so excited for this. And we've talked about it a little bit before, basically about how the skill in the NBA and the skill in the WNBA is not that far off when it comes to straight fundamentals as far as, you know, shooting, ball handling, where the NBA players take that next level up is their athletic ability. For this three-point competition, we will have... Steph with a men's ball rack, obviously five balls at each spot with money balls and Sabrina with a women's ball rack. And she will be shooting from the WNBA three point line. I am so excited about this for many reasons. Firstly, I think Sabrina can win because I think the playing field is even here. One of the things that WNBA players focus on is shooting ability when you don't have as much athleticism as the men do, you are forced to level up your game when it comes to fundamentals and WNBA players and college women's basketball players have proven time and time again that fundamentally they are just as sound as the men and 
Also for a three point contest, it could be any given day. Like being a shooter myself, there are some days that you're on, there are some days that you're just not feeling it. And I think with a three point competition, the whole strategy behind a three point contest is to see how quickly you can get into rhythm because a lot of shooters, including Steph, including Sabrina, including any of the best shooters that you can think of are streaky. When you feel in rhythm, that's why they they call it a heat check. They, you know, when when a three when someone's hitting like five three pointers in a row and then they shoot the next one and it's maybe like a wild three pointer, that's that's your heat check. And that's what you need for a three point competition is to see how quickly you can get into this streak, how quickly you can get into this rhythm. And I'm so excited to see it. I will be in Indianapolis on Saturday night to watch this in person. And so I will definitely let you guys know what the atmosphere is like if it seems like more people are rooting for Steph or more people are rooting for Sabrina. And I think that she's got it. She's been under the big lights before. I think this is also such a win for the WNBA because as I've talked about in previous videos, I think the key to building up the WNBA is to build up individual players. And I think putting her on a stage up against an NBA player and showing that she can compete, and I surely hope that she comes out like on her A game and she does really well, but showing that she can compete at this level is something that will just elevate obviously her brand and obviously elevate the WNBA in the same light. Like I mentioned, competitions like this is kind of like anyone's game. And I've actually beaten Steph Curry before in a free throw shooting competition. So if little me, who was never a WNBA player, who was never as good as Sabrina can beat Steph Curry in shooting free throws because he was having an off day, I know that she could beat him as well. And you know what? She honestly might be able to beat him even at the top of his game. I would put these two on the same playing field. So I'm really excited. Um, I'm really excited to see this. So it says Curry will shoot from the three-point line, the NBA three-point line with NBA basketballs. Sabrina will shoot from the WNBA three-point line with WNBA basketballs. At stake, bragging rights and lots of cash for charity. Curry's Eat, Learn, Play nonprofit and Sabrina's SI20 Foundation will receive a donation from the NBA and the WNBA for participating. Every shot they make, 1000 for regular threes, 2000 for money balls, and 3000 for deeper threes for nearly from nearly 30 feet. We'll bring a donation to State Farm to the NBA Foundation to support economic empowerment in the black community. It also makes me think about other athletic competitions or sports where you can have men and women at the highest level compete and it's, it's actually competitive. Like, I, like one that comes to mind that I know about is in pool, like billiards. The top man in the world and top woman in the world are actually like, it, it's competitive if they play. Yeah. Or, or, or like, a, I don't, not that it's a sport, but like poker, like World Series of Poker. There are women that make it to, to the final table, right? I don't, I don't think a woman has ever won the World Series of Poker, but they've been at the final table. Like, not that it's a sport, but... Or even something that came to mind is, like, I don't know, mini-golf. There's no reason why a man would be better than a woman at mini-golf, right? Like, just, well, like, I just think the putting the only... part of golf. Yeah, well, I think the only thing that separates a lot of these things is when it comes down to, like, strength and athleticism, where yeah. if you're shooting, like... If you're shooting all mid-range, a woman can shoot just as well as a man. Like, I don't 
you know what I mean? It's it's mm-hmm. the only way they get a leg up is the further back that you go. And shooting is one of those things also where it like doesn't take an insane amount of strength. Like I can shoot NBA threes. It doesn't take an insane yeah. amount of strength to like shoot really far. But I think, you know, maybe if you talk about tennis, if it was like accuracy, maybe it's not, maybe women can't hit as hard as some of the, the pro guys, but ac- yeah, you know, that, accuracy or like hitting a certain spot or like, I wonder the skills challenge, for example, on mm-hmm. all-star Saturday night, that could be something where I feel like the girls could hang, you know, yeah, also no, totally the right. only, the only thing where it is maybe like running from here to there, but that's just like the tiniest little sprint. It's mostly about like the, the passes and the shooting and whatever. I mm-hmm. feel like that would be another thing. Maybe, but maybe they start implementing that, you know. And the next topic where we are going to talk about what if, if Sabrina wins? If if Sabrina wins this shootout, I bet they're going to throw a, a WNBA player into the skills challenge next year. I feel like they should. I mean, if we're talking about ways to elevate the WNBA and the NBA, kind of being that parent company that is helping them, why wouldn't you? And it's also interesting too because. Like, there isn't, we've talked about this before, there isn't many rivalries in the NBA right now to where you get so excited. It's like two guys that hate each other, two guys that are really gunning for the same thing, and it's like, who's going to win? You know, we don't have that. Throw a a woman in the mix, and it's like, we got something there. (laughs) For the pure pure fact that it's like, like, boys versus girls, you know, that's like. No, you're right. It's like automatically we care. It's automatic rivalry, you know, that's, that's been started at the beginning of time. So <laughs> it's exciting. I don't know. It's exciting. Obviously, you know, with football, we don't have a women's league, so it doesn't make so much sense to throw it in there. There's not that many, like, MLB is the same thing. But this is a sport where we do. So why not? Now it's time to spill the tea with Mobby T. Recently, a clip went viral of Michael Porter Jr. on the Pivot podcast, and he was talking about the WNBA and their salaries and what he thinks that they should do in order to get more viewers and essentially get paid more. But let's first check out the clip. I see from both sides. I know these females want to get paid more, um, and they're very talented, but so is, so is a famous ping pong player. They're just as talented as, as a, like the best ping pong player is just as talented as the best basketball player. That doesn't mean they're going to get paid the same because it's because right. they play what, ping pong. It's what the people want to watch. You know what I mean? So, right. as much as I understand females wanting the same treatment as, as men basketball players, it's 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 a different sport. People they're not packing out the arenas. Obviously, their TV deals aren't the same. So as much as I advocate for women and kind of the equality of the respect of their craft and all those things, I mean, you can't pay them the same thing, you know, but I do feel like they should, there, there should be a little way to make a little bit more money for right. them because they are very talented. Correct. Yeah, I think the I think the big thing, um, obviously, when you're thinking about negotiations, labor unions and different things like that, I don't believe there's any woman that believes she should be paid as a man gets paid. It's more about the revenue share. It's more about the percentage. And I think those things play into mm. it. And then the other side of it is treatment, mm. you know, within their own organizations. Like they're never like they don't 
Right, it's not Ma- as exciting. It, no, it's it's not as it's exciting. It's not as exciting basketball. Yeah, you're not. They got to load the rims. I would watch a girl coming down the lane. <sighs> on another, I would watch that. They need to load the rims. They're actually. I think in general, Ryan Clark put it a bit more eloquently than Michael Porter Jr. did when he talked about, and this is something that we've talked about as well, the women's game is based a lot more around fundamentals and around skill for the pure fact that we just don't have the athleticism that men naturally do. Just like they just physically have more athleticism, they have more speed, they have a higher vert, they have better agility. Um, than women do just physiologically. And so we lean more into the skill side where if you appreciate the game of basketball, then you will also appreciate the, the women's game because it is great basketball, which also Michael Porter Jr. said, it's a, it's a better basketball game than the men. However, for the casual fan, it might not be as exciting because someone who doesn't care about a great play that's being run and how this girl just, you know, came off of two screens, caught the ball, one dribble, step back into a three-pointer, and they they don't care that much about that. They would rather see some guy break someone's ankles and then go dunk on them. That's the casual fan that you're trying to hit when you talk about how many people are watching games, how many butts are in seats, etc. One point that Ryan made that I am just not that educated about is the revenue shares within the WNBA and how much the women are making as compared to how much the league is making itself. He talked about that, and I and I guess that that is something that the players are fighting for. I I don't know enough. I would have to go and and look up some of these numbers and see what he's actually talking about. But if that is something that they're not getting paired paid a fair wage to how much revenue is coming in fair. That makes sense. And I, and they should be getting paid. I think where Michael Porter jr. Shot himself in the foot is the comment about lowering the rims. We need to dead this conversation period. I think it is one of the worst arguments for women's basketball for a multitude of reasons, but I'll give you my reasons. First of all, it makes the game less accessible for girls, youth, just women of all ages, girls of all ages for basketball. When I think about where I played basketball growing up, obviously played on a bunch of organized teams, but I also played at the park. I also played in my backyard. I also played at this random gym when I, you know, could find an hour of court time so I could put up shots. I also played at this church gym. I also played at the YMCA. I also played at 24-hour fitness. If we talk about we lower the rim for women's basketball and then leave the men's at the same 10-foot height, we're talking about revamping every single park in the country. We're talking about revamping every single gym so that the girls have an accessible hoop to practice on. And some people have come back to me with the argument. It was like, oh, well, shooting on a 10-foot rim as compared to shooting on a 9-foot rim or whatever you people want to lower the rim to. Because 9-foot, to, to also be fair, is not going to make the world of difference of how crazy a, a woman is dunking on somebody else. It's really not. One foot isn't going to make that much difference. If you want to lower it to 7.5, maybe then you can get some like windmill between the leg poster dunks. You're not going to get it at nine feet, but lowering it to nine feet and then, oh, but 
sometimes the girls have to practice on a 10 foot rim because that's the only thing that's available. It doesn't make sense. And you can't just say like, so first of all, that's why lowering the rim to me makes absolutely zero sense unless you want to really revamp every single basketball hoop in the country, which isn't, is not going to happen ever going to happen. Um, secondly, to my point, I don't know why people think lowering it to nine feet is going to automatically create some insane dunks by women. If you're the dunks that people think are exciting, which by the way, you don't even get very often in NBA games. You get it at the NBA dunk contest in an NBA basketball game. Yes, we see a few dunks, but the ones that you guys are talking about where there's a poster, there's a reason why a poster dunk is such a massive highlight online. It's a massive highlight because it doesn't happen very often. Like people aren't getting postered every single night in an NBA game. People aren't going between their legs on a breakaway layup every single night in an NBA game. People aren't doing three sixties on a breakaway layup. And so lowering the rim to nine feet, there's only a handful of women who can dunk period. You lower the rim to nine feet. Somebody like me who played college division one basketball at five, eight still probably isn't touching the rim. So you're not going to get that many girls who are doing some crazy thing on a nine foot rim. Again, if you want to talk about lowering it to, to something like eight feet, maybe, but we really think because it's at eight feet, like the argument would be then you lower it to eight feet and then guys would be like, well, it's not that impressive anymore because it's just a low rim. Like, that's the only reason they can, like, there's always going to be this like weird argument from men. If you lower it, then it's like, oh, well now they can dunk because we lowered it. Now we just handicap. Like it's, we have a smaller ball. We have a shorter three point line. We don't need any more handicaps for the sport. Um, I appreciate him for being brave enough to share how he felt. I don't think that all of his points were wrong. I think the main point of they don't have as many butts and seats. They don't play as many games. They don't have the TV rights that NBA does. Like they are not generating as much revenue. So it's hard to just say like, give them the same contract as the max NBA player. I, I fully understand that. Um, I think there was just like a couple missteps. However, there was a huge outrage from women everywhere about how misogynistic he sound, how he wasn't supporting the WNBA, um, how he said females, like when did females become like a bad word to say? And I even, I even felt that a little bit in one of my previous videos where I said girls, but I refer to my friends as girls. Like I just like the word girl, women, female to me is interchangeable. It just means the sex of us. Like girls, women, like it, it, to me, that's just something so small. It's like, why are we getting angry about that? Like really that to me makes women just look super sensitive. Like if I'm going to pick apart something, I'm going to get, I'm going to think that his comment about lowering the rims because he wants to see someone post or something is the stupidest thing that he said. I'm not going to say because he said female once and then he said women later. So I think we also, as women, as people advocating for our sport, need to do better about not picking some, like, really, you're going to pick that battle, as that he said, female? 
Like, let's not cry. Let's not, let's not cry over that. Let's look at the bigger picture. So I'm glad that he's having this conversation. Also somebody who wears a WNBA player shoe. Like I also told you guys, like Dre wears Sabrina's shoes as well. I think that that's really cool. And I think that all these little things are ways to elevate the WNBA. Let's dead the conversation about lowering the rim though. Like it has to be stopped. There's no world where that makes sense. And there's no world that if we even tried it and gave it a couple year run, that it would make the game any better. The game's growing. The skill's growing. We have Sabrina now in the NBA All-Star Saturday weekend. We have all of these fantastic college basketball players coming up. We have women, women's college basketball breaking records on their viewership. You know, when we had uh, South Carolina going up against LSU, it, like, it, it had bigger numbers than the NBA games that night. The game is growing. Let it grow organically. Let these women elevate themselves and their brands and how they play, let them start, you know, like Caitlin Clark, we talked about shooting threes like Steph Curry. That's exciting. These poster dunks that you're going to get, you know, once a game, possibly, is, that's not the most exciting thing. So, but I appreciate that people are continuing to have this conversation. And I think that us as women need, need to not jump down people's throats for stuff that's stupid. Like, like saying female. You guys, it is Super Bowl week. And obviously, unless you've been living under a rock, you know that the Kansas City Chiefs are going up against the 49ers. But I feel like the narrative has turned into Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift going up against Brock Purdy, who, ironically enough, wears the number 13, which is Taylor Swift's lucky number. So there's been a lot of memes and everything about that. I, this video went up this week, obviously Taylor was just at the Grammys and she broke the record for the most winningest artist to, to get album of the year award with four Travis Kelsey was asked about it at media day. Um, he responded saying that she's unbelievable. Now I need to bring some hardware back. But when I saw this video, I ran straight to the comments. Um, this was on the NFL's official Instagram page. And I feel like as much as we have seen and heard about Taylor and Travis, we have also seen and heard from the fans who are royally pissed that they have to keep hearing about this freaking relationship. And there seems to be two sides to the story and these comments definitely paint the picture. So I'm just going to read some of them. Michael Lore said, hope the Chiefs win so you all keep complaining. Someone said, hmm, why didn't she mention you in any of her speeches? Someone said, imagine having such a cold, dead heart that this bothers you. I think, and this is literally going back and forth in the comments, I think I speak for all Americans when I say we are sick and tired of Taylor Swift. Someone said, as much as I can't stand the Chiefs, they are going to win the Super Bowl. If it wasn't scripted, they wouldn't be there. It's sad to think the NFL is the new WWE. Can't believe I'm saying this as an Eagles fan, but please, for the love of God, 49ers win this game. And I think from both sides, this is what we're seeing. We're seeing people say, if you're hating on this, you're just a misogynist, you don't, you're... You don't want to see other people happy. And on the other side, we're saying we're seeing people say, like, this is sports. Stop showing this so much. We don't care about their relationship, on and on. I think the truth is actually somewhere in the middle here. I don't think everybody who hates seeing the Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift news 
are really just cold hearted people who don't want to see people happy. I don't think it's that extreme. And I also, um, don't think that some people are wrong by saying that we're seeing them more than we've ever seen any celebrity relationship. And the thing with Taylor Swift this year is you can give her so much praise as she's really had in, in 2023, one of the most successful years, careers, I think of any celebrity, any music artist that we've seen, you could say since Michael Jackson. Um, but she really has been everywhere. She has a tour. She's put out a new album. She's re-released old albums. She has a movie that's in theaters. So she's like hit that demo. She's at every award ceremony and now she's in sports. Now she's all over the NFL's Instagram page. Now she's not only on, you know, E! News, but she's on ESPN. She's on uh, Fox Sports. She's on this. And now, quite frankly, she's even on the news news. Like, she's on Fox News. She's, like, she's pissing off conservatives. She's pissing off liberals. She's literally everywhere. Everywhere you turn, it is something about Taylor Swift. And... I'm a fan of Taylor Swift. I love her music. And I'm like saying like, wow, I'm really seeing her everywhere. And I'm not hating on her for it. And I'm also not hating on these different outlets as well. Because if you look at any of the posts that mentioned Taylor Swift or that mentioned Travis Kelsey, they have the most engagement. Whether you're going on someone's page and commenting a nasty comment, that's boosting engagement. If there's fighting in the comments, that boosts the engagement more than any other thing. So why wouldn't the NFL keep posting about it if every time they post about it, they have 5,000 comments talking about her? Why wouldn't these news outlets ask Travis Kelsey, ask Patrick Mahomes, ask, for God's sake, Brock Purdy got asked about Taylor Swift and asked if he was ready to disappoint her when they win. Why wouldn't you ask these players about it when every time you do, it's going to get clicks? So I think a lot of these fans have to realize, okay, after the Super Bowl, whether the the Chiefs win or lose, it's still going to be talked about. If the Chiefs lose and Taylor Swift is crying, it's going to be talking about all this emotional moment between her and Travis. It's going to be, you know, Travis going on his podcast, like talking about what they did after and how he's going to bounce back. And this, like, it, there's still going to be that narrative. It's not going away whether the Niners win or not. This is the the biggest superstar in the world dating somebody who's on one of the best football teams in the world. If it's scripted or not, I don't know. I have like my, I don't think the NFL is like completely scripted and they're like, oh, you know what? Chiefs got to make it. Obviously we've talked about it before. I think there's natural biases that come with any referee, whether in, in literally any sport. Um, there are certain circumstances when it comes to weather and different fields that you're playing at, like all of that. I don't think it's scripted to the point of at the beginning of the season, they said, we got to get the Chiefs to the Super Bowl. But we'll see what's happening. But if you guys are so upset and you really think that the 49ers winning is going to stop us talking about Taylor Swift and Travis, it's like buckle up, folks, because this is not Taylor Swift's not done on tour. She still has a whole nother year of the Eras tour. She has a new dro album dropping in April. And if you you best believe there's going to be something about Travis in 
that album. He's already talked about that. He's heard about it. Like buckle up because the media wave of these two is like not dropping off anytime soon. The engagement rumors, like we opened this video talking about, um, I'm sure that those are going to continue until it actually happens. If it actually happens, but as long as the, everything is getting clicks and views the way that it is, it's going to continue. And so I really, I, I don't care who wins in the Super Bowl. None of my teams are there. I've been out of this uh, caring about what team wins this year for a while now. I want to see a good game. I think it will be a good game, and I think it will be a most watched game because not only are you going to have NFL fans – who just want to see a good game. You're also going to have NFL fans who despise Taylor Swift so much <laughs> that they just want to see if the 49ers were win. We have all these like new bandwagon 49ers fans. And on the flip side, you have millions and millions of Swifties who love Taylor and are obsessed with Taylor so much that they just want to see her boyfriend win. So it's a highly anticipated Super Bowl. It's in Vegas. I'm actually very, very, very glad that I will be watching this one from home because I don't want to be in the craziness that will be Vegas for this weekend. Um, but it should be interesting. And I don't have a prediction. I have no clue. We'll see how it goes. But if you're tired of hearing about Taylor and Travis, um, this definitely won't be the end of it after this week. One point that I didn't make... If Taylor Swift were Doja Cat, it wouldn't be like this. Taylor Swift actually, you can post her on all these different places because she does have a very clean reputation. She actually is, when you talk about all of the superstars that we have, she's one of the best role models that we have, like lover or hater. She's wholesome. She's not doing, she's not doing crazy things. She's not like giving the devil lap dances and her music videos. You know what I mean? Like she's, she's more marketable. If it, if it were somebody who's a little bit more extreme, they're not going to be posting it all the time. They're just not. She's easy. She's easy to love. She does a lot of things, right? She's super successful and that's it. And it'll, it'll die down eventually. Like there's only going to be so much that we can care about. We sh we really, no one should really care this much about anybody else's relationship, but there really is only so much that we can care about at some point, you know, we'll move on to the next thing. That's like popular talk about. If you feel like you need to calm down from all of this anger and angst around Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, then step into a world of natural wellness and Caribbean flavors with Mabi Artisanal Tea. The embodiment of plant power and hydration. Take a sip, join the movement, and embrace a healthier you. Visit MabiTea.com or your local Sprouts Farmer's Market now to experience the taste of the Caribbean and every revitalizing blend. All right, you guys, that's all we have for Courtside Club today. I hope that you enjoyed. Make sure that you thumbs up this video and hit subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. We upload new videos every single week on my YouTube channel. And if you are listening on Spotify, then make sure that you head over to youtube.com slash RADamita so that you can experience all of the episode in its entirety. And you can see the videos that we're reacting to and see the different graphics and things like that. So make sure that you guys subscribe and hit that notification bell. And I will see you guys next week. Bye.